and welcome back to another episode of Storytime with Stu. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. Uh, I know I am. If you're not, I don't know why you're watching this, but it's okay. I watch stuff that I don't enjoy uh, sometimes too, so I get it, but I still don't know why you're watching it. We are continuing to read through Dating with a Purpose, or Porpoise, you know, however you like to phrase it, and uh, this is a book by Jack Scott that he wrote uh, many years ago before his time in prison, uh, where he's currently residing now. And it's basically a blueprint for dating as a young adult because you're not supposed to date as a teenager. It's uh, filled with uh, great rules that he made up uh, that he feels you should follow if you are a minor. Not if you're a, a pastor flirting with or having sexual relationships with a minor. That's a different thing. Um, this is just for if you're a minor and you want to date or a young adult and you want to date. These are his rules for dating. So a few disclaimers. I cannot not cuss on these, so if that's something that, you know, I've had people leave comments before and let me like, man, if you could just tone down the F word and not say, uh, you know, the, the mean word for poop so much, I'd appreciate it. And honestly, I appreciate those comments because those, if anyone who's left those comments has paid attention to the podcast, you've noticed there have been several episodes since then where we've managed to keep it as clean as we can, where we're not cursing. Uh, I try to do that, especially on the live episodes. Um, but anyways, all that to say, uh, I, I can't hold back these, these, this thing, reading through these books, we're reading through Bob Hooper's right now, Bob and Joe Beth Hooper's right now as well, Romance and Marriage, Keeping the Flame Alive, and as I'm reading, I just, I am astounded by how condescending they are, that's one of the disclaimers I want to put out there, is some of the things that are put out in these books seem like, okay, that's a good idea or whatever, but like, why, like, people should know to do that, people do know to do that or to not do that. They're very condescending. That's that's one thing. Uh, another thing, again, the cursing. And then lastly, uh, these these books are all written within, under the umbrella of the independent fundamental Baptist movement. So things are not as they seem, if that makes sense. Um, there are a lot of things that are put forth for dating ideas or, or different things that seem commonplace and normal, but they're not really because they all happen within this tiny vacuum that is this cult. So anyways, Without further ado, we are going to get into chapter four, and that is principles for dress. So Jack Scott is going to let you know, as far as what it sounds like, um, you know, let you know how how you should be dressing. Seems like this is a fairly short chapter, four or five pages. I should be able to breeze through it. Hopefully, I won't get too upset. We will see. And uh, he says, before I deal with the subject of dress, what? Okay, that's what the chapter is called. Please allow me to teach a couple of basic differences about men and women. Please do enlighten us, sir. Men are primarily stimulated by sight. That explains the popularity of sexy magazines with many males. By the way, they're popular with women, too. Just so you know. Just letting you know, Jack. Notice I did not say men. Oh, no real man allows himself to look at that kind of sleazy material. Very sleazy. Sure. Okay. Um, it bothers me to think that colored ink on paper can stir a gland in our bodies. Well, it can and it does. So be bothered. Women, on the other hand, are primarily stimulated by touch, sound, and atmosphere. 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 I know he's going to go into greater detail, but that just sounds silly. Like, do women walk out in the morning and, ah, oh, the atmosphere. Oh. Like I said, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be condescending to women or to Jack here. I'm just confused by women being stimulated by the atmosphere. All right. Anyways, 
Uh, words of affection, a well-planned date, good manners, a physical touch are what stimulates a woman. Ladies, that's it. That's all you get. Okay? If, if you aren't stimulated by those things, then I don't know what to tell you because that's what you're supposed to be stimulated by. In one of her lectures on marriage, my wife, my wife, sorry, I, ha I had to, compares a man to a microwave, oh God, here we go, oven, and a woman to a crock pot. Ouch! Not cool. Men can almost be instantly stirred by a picture or a thought or a suggestive look, whereas a woman responds more slowly by creative and imaginative means of communication, soft music, and proper atmosphere. Again, I know he's referring to atmosphere figuratively, not literally. It was just a good joke at the time. I thought it was a good joke. Ken Scott might disagree. That's fine. This is why, it, I mean, even if it's not fine, it's fine. This is why it is vital that ladies dress and mod. Wait, what? You just told me how ladies are stimulated by atmosphere, and then you jump to this is why it's vital that ladies dress in modest fashion. You gotta have some continuity here, man. That's what I need, okay? What may be trendy and fashionable may also be quite stimulating to a man. Here we go. Here we go. This is what I said when we left off in the last chapter or or part of the last chapter, chapter three. It's your fault because of what you wore, what he did. It's your fault. That's not true. I'm not saying, I'm not presenting that as a truism. I'm presenting that as that's what Jack is saying. There's just not two ways about that. Oh, this is why it is vital that a man keep his hands off his girlfriend, keep the conversation clean and proper, and keep the dates well-planned and chaperoned. Gotta have a chaperone, but adorned. Oh God, we're gonna get into all the words here. The word adorn comes from the Greek word cosmos. Oh, well, it's still in the atmosphere, which describes the well-designed plan of the universe. It refers to dressing according to a divine plan and a well-thought-out plan. It means that a woman should give careful thought to organizing her wardrobe and clothing to match God's purpose for her as a lady. Make sure your clothes match God. Doesn't matter if they clash. As long as they match God, that's what matters. Modesty. The word modesty means balanced or harmony. Simply put, a lady should dress so that no one part of her body or clothing draws attention to itself. Wild hairstyles, excessive makeup, like your wife wore, dude. Come on, or your or your or your mother-in-law. That's excessive. Okay, or jewelry, tight sweaters or skirts, unbuttoned. Let's let's yeah, let's get going with the imagination there, Jack. Tell us what gets you going. Unbuttoned blouses, a dress or skirt that is too long or too short. What is a dress that is too long? I, okay. Shocking designs or colors. What? All speak of an immodest dress style. What is going on? Anything that is distracting is biblically immodest. Good. So everything I wear, oh, except for this, pretty much. Uh, I'm being immodest. Just, just FYI. Um, we tend to think that only one, that only high hemlines are Plunging necklines are immodest. Man, Jack, tell us how you really feel about uh, the way women's bodies look. You seem to be very interested in this. However, clothing that is dirty, unpressed, out of style, or ill-fitting is also immodest. What? As is dirty or uncombed hair, poorly applied makeup, or not wearing hose. Oh, and dress shoes with the dress. Gotta wear them hose, ladies. If you're wearing a dress, you better be wearing hose and dress shoes. Okay. Even the absence of makeup can be immodest. Well, which is it, Jack? The absence of makeup is immodest, but too much makeup is also immodest. Dude, no. No. Again, here we are back at the ridiculous standards. The absence of makeup can be immodest if it distracts from the overall look of balance and harmony. 
are you guys listening to what I'm reading? The This guy behind me, the impossible standards that he is not holding men to. He is holding women to these standards of modesty that he is making up as he goes along. This is ridiculous. Apparel. The word literally means a letdown, flowing garment. What a great definition of a proper skirt or dress. This definition eliminates shorts, trousers, tights, miniskirts, or tight-fitting garments for women. Again, he's very obsessed with the plunging necklines and the tight-fitting outfits of women. How we did not all see this as a problem from the get-go, I will never know, but I didn't see it either. Shamefacedness. The word shamefacedness is a beautiful one that describes the feeling a little child has in the presence of an adult. Yeah, tell us more about that. Literally, shamefacedness, oh, Literally, shamefacedness means quick to blush. When you look in the mirror before you leave your room, young lady, ask yourself, do I dress to entice the eyes of men, or do I blush to think that evil eyes would feed their wicked minds on my form and figure? What the, what is going through your head, man? Well, we know now, but. Oh, for a generation of pure young ladies who could blush again at the very idea that the way they dress might hint of impurity. And this is not, this was not towards the end of his career, as it were. This is nearer to the beginning than the end, or at least in the middle. Sobriety. The word means self-control. The word, the world flaunts its fashions and peer pressure insists that you dress according to the styles of the day. But sobriety says, I thought sobriety was not being drunk. I'm so confused. That you must exercise self-control and do what is right. Sobriety says, I must dress to show my character, not my body. I must show Jesus in me that hidden man of the heart, not a sexy, sultry, tough image of a modern teen. Sobriety says, I will dress to say, I love Jesus, not the world. Then wear a shirt that says, I love Jesus, right? That, that's not hard. Do that. Oh, no, you can't because that draws attention to the chest, and that's a big problem for Jack. Well, it's not really. God does not want you to dress in a stuffy, out-of-date style, nor does he want you to look dowdy, dowdy uncomfortable or strange. I am convinced that Christian young ladies should look as sharp and classy as they can afford to do so. Again, this this is only written to women. This chapter is only for women, and the, the standards, the standards uh, legalism he's putting forth is awful. In light of what has been said in the previous chapter on defrauding, allow me to ask you this question. Do you honestly believe a young lady can put on a swimsuit and go swimming with her boyfriend without causing him to think and feel unholy thoughts and feelings. Again, not unholy, not even unnatural, entirely natural thoughts he is having. Whether or not he acts on them with or without consent is the actual issue. The issue is not, fuck, man, the issue is not what she is wearing. That is not the issue. I am so fucking pissed right now. The issue is not what she is wearing. It doesn't help when I have him playing behind. issue is not what she's wearing. And that is all that this chapter is about, is saying the issue is what she's wearing. Do you honestly, okay, I already read that. I'm, I'm fired up, guys. My preacher puts it well when he says, okay, so this is something that Jack Heil said, a young man who can see a pretty girl in a bikini or a pair of shorts without feeling something inside is either sick or not normal. So sick is gay or not normal is gay? Because that's what you're saying. Like you're saying he's gay, but you can't say gay. You have to make it this bad thing of sick or not normal because you, you are homophobia like this that's no secret well, 
maybe not anymore. I don't believe for a second that a man must lust every time he sees an immodestly dressed woman. But neither do I believe a woman has the right to tempt a man, especially her boyfriend. It boggles my mind how we justify our sin. If a woman were to walk through her neighborhood wearing only her undergarments, she could and should be arrested for indecent exposure. I don't know. However, if she paints, yeah, I've heard this, how many times have you heard this illustration? If you're IFB, you've heard it a lot. However, if she paints those undergarments, no one is painting undergarments. I know what you're saying. You're saying she puts on a swimsuit. But don't be stupid. No one paints their underwear. Well, maybe, maybe some people do. I don't know. But that's not a thing. Okay. That I'm aware of. If she paints these undergarments with bright, flashy colors, puts, and I know that I have preached this before as well, as far as like, well, underwear is the same as a swimsuit. Yeah, it is. But so what? Well, it's not the same. It's not. But, but it, as far as the, the coverage area, yes, it's similar. Puts sand under her feet and stands by a hole in the ground filled with water. She is totally justified in her immodesty. Please explain to me what makes that right. Again, it's what she wants to wear. It's right for her. That's what matters. Does the presence of sand, the location of... Okay, easy with the sarcasm, but the location of water and degree of temperature or the geographical location make it acceptable? No! Exclamation point. Right and wrong are consistent the world over by all people who choose to follow the principle of God's word. When the Bible says, not with broided or braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but with good works, I believe Paul is contrasting the emphasis a lady ought to have in her dress. The same type of wording is found in 1 Peter 3, 3, which states, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing gold or putting on, someone's copying those, just switch it up so it doesn't look the same. <laughs> putting on apparel. Now notice, if it is wrong to wear gold or plate your hair, then it would also be wrong to wear apparel. Certainly that is not what Paul or Peter or the Holy Spirit is saying. Simply put, God wants you to dress to be able to serve him and not need to worry about how everyone thinks you look. If you, But that's all he's worried about is how we look, okay? With Jack anyways. If you're more concerned about how you look in the sight of others than you are about how you can help someone who needs Jesus, you are then dressing unscripturally. Oh my God, what a reach. Too many girls would never put little bus kids on their laps. They would soil their clothing or mess up their hair. What about Deuteronomy 22.5? Oh, this should be interesting. The woman should not wear that which pertains unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord thy God. This is one of the most despised and debated verses by women who want to forfeit their right trousers. Let's look at it with an open heart and mind. What does this verse say? There is some kind of apparel that pertaineth to a man. By the way, this is an Old Testament verse. People were wearing robes. I'm not saying they were all identical, but they were all wearing robes. A woman is not allowed to wear it. I know this is Old Testament written to Jews, and it doesn't say what, okay, thank you for addressing it, what that apparel is that pertains to a man. You're absolutely correct, but please follow me all the way to the end of this chapter. I said first that there is some kind of apparel that pertains to a man. I said secondly, a woman is not allowed to wear it. Number three, sorry, number two was there is some kind of apparel that pertains to a man. Number two, a woman is not allowed to wear it. Number three, there is something called a woman's garment. It doesn't say what that is. So you got no context, so you don't know. But there is a definite implication that men have a unique garment and women have a unique garment. Okay? Men are not allowed to put on a woman's garment. Okay. Any man, number five, number four is men are not allowed to wear a woman's garment. Number five, any man or woman who does, who does so are an abomination to God. Now, what does that mean? Here we go. 
an abomination unto God is anything that God hates, despises, abhors, greatly dislikes, or punishes. May I list for you some of the abominations of God? Yes, please. Homosexuality, incest, witchcraft, and women who wear a man's garment, <laughs> or men who wear a woman's garment are just a few. Okay, just a few. That which God despised in the Old Testament, he still despises today. Not according to his son, Jesus, but okay. If you say Deuteronomy 22.5 is not for today, then all these other abominations found in the Old Testament are acceptable for today. Oh, God, okay. The broad brush, right? God has never changed what he hates. For I am the Lord, I change not. Malachi 3.6a, the first part of the verse. The only question that needs an answer is what exactly is that which pertaineth to a man and a woman's garment? I'll let you answer that the next time you use any public restroom. Okay. Do handicapped people on the handicapped side actually look like that? No. But this is to be taken literally. This is, if you can see, it's the, the man and woman uh, universal signal. It's just, just to make things easier, bro. It was, by the way, it wasn't a dress, right? It was a cape. So, fuck that logic. Um, even the world uses the universal symbol for men and women. A stick figure with trousers for men and a stick figure with a dress for a woman. Cape! Everybody except stubborn Christians knows that these garments in Deuteronomy 22.5a Everybody except stubborn Christians knows what these garments in Deuteronomy 22.5 are for rebellion as as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as an iniquity and idolatry. 1 Samuel 15.23a And that is the end of the chapter. Not really uh, cohesive in there, bro, but hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Again, here's what gets me in that I think should get you guys as well if, if you're, I mean, this is just a rant for me, right, but what I'm getting, what I'm taking from chapter four, principles of dress, is until the very end where he's just saying cross-dressing is an abomination, which who gives a fuck? Where would you want? Excuse me, where would you want? My legs would look terrible, but, but if I want to wear it, I can wear it. He barely addresses men here. He is fixated on women. He's fixated on their plunging necklines and their tight, their tight dresses and skirts. It's a big deal for him. Why? I'll do what Jack did. You figure it out. It's not hard to figure out considering why he's doing time in a federal penitentiary. So, I'm not here to say that we're not all incredibly flawed, but I am here to say that someone who is as terribly flawed as this guy was and clearly had his own demons, not excusing his actions and his criminality, but someone who was in such a state that this guy was, man, should not have been running a college, should not have been running a church, should have barely been running a household, if that. And the fact that he went as far as he did and as much as he did tells us everything we need to know about the, the true independent fundamental Baptist movement. It's destructive, and it is, in this chapter of this book, it is clearly uh, thoroughly oppressive to women. Like, I know we know this stuff, but like just to put it into words and to read it and to listen to, for me, listening to myself reading that, I was like, holy shit, like the stuff that he's saying is just mind-boggling. It's crazy. But anyways, that's a look into... Um, let's see how far we're not quite halfway. Oh no, <laughs> we're like a quarter, maybe a third of the way through this book, so we got a ways to go. But I hope you guys are enjoying this. I am again, it's it's uh, it's just bringing things to light. It's a catharsis for me to be able to read through this and hopefully to have you enjoy it. But it's also been uh, very eye opening seeing just kind of reliving where we're coming from. And if that's you know, if that's kind of triggering or frustrating for you, like I, I please ask you to not listen. I'm not trying to be unkind, I just I think it's probably something that it's not the right time for you and maybe never will be. And that's, that's fine. This podcast is for if you want it or don't. Um, but I hope you do want it. And I hope it's not damaging to you at all. Uh, there are moments where I, I definitely feel that, 
that I'm going to have to have an extra therapy session after one of these um, because it's just it's it's bringing up a lot of the past, and so I get that that can be traumatic for a lot of us. But anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this, um, and I do hope that you know it kind of highlights for you the real problems within the IFB that are still ongoing, and the fact that someone could write something like this and it could be taught as a curriculum. You know, the only reason it's not taught as a curriculum now, let's be honest, is because he's locked up. You know, they've had to get rid of his books. They've had to distance themselves. If that wouldn't have happened, this would still be, I'm sure a version of this is still being taught at Housley Harrison College. I have no doubt. So it's scary and it's sad, and, I, and I'm hoping that we're able to help more people and open more eyes with what we're doing here. Hope you enjoyed this uh, mini-sode, this episode, this, I haven't, clearly haven't decided what to call these yet, but hope you enjoyed Storytime with Stu, brought to you by Not Your Mother's Podcast.